All right, Angie, I'm going to leave the, the slides to the professionals up there and make sure you, you do that. All right. Well, good morning. I'm glad to see these kiddos going off to worship. Um, hey, guys, before we do ordination, we want to make sure they're in here to see this. So uh, don't let me progress until we get the kiddos back. All right. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 5. And so if you'll turn on your Bible or turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 5. Well, folks, last week we saw the authority of Jesus in his teaching and his authority over demons and his authority over sickness. Ultimately, right before his time on earth was done, he told us that all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth had been given to him. Chapter 5 shows us the holiness of Jesus. Now, I want to give you our bullet points before we read the chapter so that as we read, you can better see these concepts brought out in the text. Now, remember, part of what I hope happens during the preaching of the word is you start thinking, okay, this is how I can break down this text. This is how I can analyze this text. This is how I can apply this text. And so as I preach, I want you to see Uh, what I'm thinking about how to understand the text. And that way it'll better prepare you to do that in your Bible study when you're at home. Uh, That's one of the reasons I get all excited and in a bad way about preachers who talk randomly on some subject and then stick a verse in there. That's because that's not how we do Bible study. And I want you to be able to do productive, good Bible study at home. So we're going to see that the holiness of Jesus exposes us to ourselves Then we're going to see the holiness of Jesus cleanses us before God. The holiness of Jesus provides for the forgiveness of sins. The holiness of Jesus calls sinners to repentance. All right, let's read the first 32 verses of Luke chapter 5 together. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John's sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourselves to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for proof to them. But now even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. 
on one of those days, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The first thing I want us to see is that the holiness of Jesus exposes us to ourselves. You know, Jesus was teaching there at the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him. And Jesus didn't have a microphone, and apparently his listeners weren't Baptist because they were sitting up front and trying to get crowded around him. And so he got in Simon Peter's boat and went out a little way, and basically he created a little natural amphitheater there because he had a little space, and you know how sound travels across water. And so he was sitting there teaching, and everybody could hear him, and everybody could see him. Well, when he got done teaching, he told Peter to go where the water was deeper and let down his nets. Now, I think we can tell from Peter's reaction how this went. Uh, Jesus, uh, you really know your stuff when it comes to preaching, but I'm a fisherman and you're a rabbi. You know, I think that's what Peter was thinking here. Why don't you stick with what you know and I'll handle the fishing? The reason I think that is when when Jesus uh, said this to him, he said, go out and drop your nets. And Peter said, well, we've been fishing all night and we hadn't caught anything. And then there's this pregnant pause that I imagined in there. And then he says, but as you say, I'll I'll go let down the nets. I think Jesus continued to patiently look at him until he went, oh, oh, yes, sir. All right, so they immediately caught this ridiculous amount of fish. I mean, it was more than they could pull in. So they call their partner and they say, hey, bring your boat and let's try to get these fish in. They do, and that starts to sink both the boats. Turns out Jesus has authority over nature as well. I want us to zone in, though, on Peter's reaction in verse 8. It says, But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, we love to compare ourselves to other people. You can always find somebody that makes you look good in comparison. 
Now, in reality, though, just because you can find somebody uglier than you, it doesn't mean you're pretty, right? <laughs> well, I say that tongue-in-cheek, but that is what we do with morality. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll find someone who is more outwardly sinful than you are. That doesn't mean you're righteous just because you can find those people. And you know what? Some of those folks that are outwardly more sinful have a lot less pride going on inside. And so... We can make ourselves feel better by comparing ourselves to somebody else. But Peter had a revelation here. Uh, You see, he saw who Jesus was. And in comparison to who Jesus was, he said, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, Lord. That's why I use way of the master when I witness. You know, if you tell someone, and, and I do tell them this in, in part of what I talk to them about, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That is true. But sometimes people will say, yeah, see, everybody sins. So I'm not that bad. I'm just like everybody else. Well, what way of the master does it? It confronts people with their own sins, and it helps them realize their personal guilt before God. Peter wasn't worried about anyone else's sin in this passage. He saw Jesus' holiness, and he saw himself in comparison to that standard. That is the realization that needs to take place for all of us to bring us to the point of brokenness and repentance. Have you come to the realization of your own personal, individual guilt before a holy God. Peter did. When we realize our sin and our guilt, we desperately need the news that the next point there is the holiness of Jesus cleanses us before God. We see in verses 12 through 16, Jesus was in a city and a guy with leprosy came to him. Now, a guy with leprosy is not supposed to be running around in the city, right? They are supposed to be out and isolated. But this guy came because he wanted to meet with Jesus. They were unclean, these lepers were. Now, what happens when the clean gets together with the unclean? If you took some pristine white gloves and went and played out in the mud, would the mud become all white and pristine or would the gloves become all nasty and muddy? Well, we know what happens. The unclean infects the clean, not the other way around, except when it comes to Jesus. (laughs) Jesus met with this man who was unclean, and he cleansed him. Jesus took on my sin, my uncleanness on the cross. He paid the debt for my sin, but had no sin of his own. My sin... Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. Like this leper, you can come to Jesus and say, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Do you know what he'll say every single time? He will answer just like he did in our passage. He will say, I will be clean. Now, I could say to you, be clean. I could say to you, be healed of whatever malady you may suffer with. Let's see how Jesus could say it and accomplish it. 
the holiness of Jesus provides for the forgiveness of sin. In verses 17 through 26, we see that Jesus was teaching and healing. And of course, he drew, cried, he drew a big crowd there. And some guys brought their friend who was paralyzed to Jesus for healing. And when they arrived, though, they couldn't get in because there was too many people. Luke 5, 19 says, But finding no way to bring him in, because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Now these were some really, really good friends. How about you? Do you love your friends enough to go to some lengths to bring your friends to Jesus? I imagine tearing up someone's roof and lowering a stretcher down in the midst of a church service was pretty awkward and uncomfortable, don't you? Are you willing to risk a little awkwardness, possibly even face a little rejection or embarrassment? These guys were willing to. They knew their friend needed Jesus, and they were going to do everything they could do to make sure they brought him to Jesus. So we need to realize that obedience to the Great Commission means that we will have to give time, energy, money, and personal effort to bring people to Jesus. And let's realize that it's our privilege to do so. We're called to sacrifice in these areas, but it is our privilege to do so. Now, what does Jesus do with this guy? Well, verse 20 says, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Now, I'm reasonably sure that this guy came to be rid of his paralysis, not rid of his sins, right? He couldn't walk and he got his friends to bring him for healing. Jesus knew what his greatest need was, though. And this brings us back to our first point we talked about. We need to really be aware of our sinfulness, like Peter was, in order to see the great and desperate need that we have for forgiveness. Jesus forgave this man's sin, but he also healed him. Look with me in, in verse 21 and following. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Now we talked about last week how Jesus was healing everybody that came to him. And I said, well, why doesn't he heal everybody that asks him now? And I said, well, it's because he was proving that he was who he was and that what he said was true. And this passage tells us that. Jesus says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. In other words, so that you can know that when I say this other stuff is true that you can't see, I'm going to do something that you can see. And he said to the paralyzed man, rise and walk. Jesus has this authority because he is both God and man. If he were not God, his sacrifice could not have atoned for the sins of all of the saved throughout the ages. If he were not a man, he could not have been our representative and died in our place. And if he were not perfect and sinless, he couldn't die for my sins because he would be dying for his sins. Jesus had authority to forgive sins because he would pay for every single one that he forgave. 
that should make it harder for us to look at sin flippantly, shouldn't it? When we think Jesus didn't just make some blanket decree that sin is no big deal. He personally paid for every single sin with his own suffering. Doesn't that make you love Jesus more and want to serve him more faithfully? I hope it does. Doesn't the truth of what he did for you make you want to bring others to Jesus so that they can experience his love and his forgiveness? We need to be like those friends who brought their buddy to Christ. The holiness of Jesus calls sinners to repentance. In verses 27 through 32, you know, we talk fairly often around here about how part of repentance, part of salvation is repentance. Those go together. Uh, When Jesus goes home with Levi, better known to us as Matthew, he sees, we see that part of following Christ is indeed repentance. In verse 27 and following, after this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth and said to him, follow me. The scribes and the Pharisees grumbled about this. They didn't like it for Jesus to hang around with sinners. Now let's see how Jesus answered them. In verses 31, he says, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to, what? Repentance, right? It says that Jesus called people to repentance. That's why we can't leave that out of the gospel that we preach. Folks try to do it all the time. (laughs) They'll take a passage like, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that's true. But part of believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is repentance. We do that same thing. We say, hey, if, you know, uh, I can't remember the Beyonce song, something about putting a ring on it. But anyway, (laughs) if you want to get a commitment you have to put a ring on it. Now, she didn't mean you have to stick a ring on somebody. She meant you have to get married. She was, it was shorthand, right? For get married. If you're talking and and a young lady is talking to a man and she says, when are you going to get around to putting a ring on it? She doesn't mean I would like a little uh, ring pop next time you're at the grocery store. She means when are you finally going to make a commitment? We're going to get married, right? And so, Likewise, the same shorthand is involved when it says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. They don't mean just believe. They mean believe the gospel. And part of the gospel is repentance because that's what Jesus said in this final verse. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. John the Baptist preached it. We saw that a few weeks ago. Jesus preached it. The apostles preached it. And we need to preach that salvation comes through placing your faith in Christ and repenting of your sins. Now, if you've not done that, I want to give you the opportunity to do that today. We have some more wonderful business to take care of afterwards. We're going to ordain our brother Chris. But now I want to give you the um, opportunity to respond. And here's what we do. We invite people to come up here for three things. One, if you have never really understood the gospel or if you've understood but never repented. The difference there is the distance between your heart and your head. Okay, You may have said, I get, I get it. I understand the plan of salvation. I have a lost, uh, a lost relative that could recite back to me the plan of salvation. I've told it to him so many times. But he's not a believer. 
because he has not believed and repented. So if you find yourself in that situation this morning, come talk to me and I'll, I'll help you understand what placing your faith in Christ is. Also, if you have a prayer need and you say, brother, I just want you to pray with me, I'll put my mask on and we'll pray together. Uh, the other thing is, if you're here and you say, I, I want to join this church, I want to join with these people and, uh, and commit myself to them and them commit themselves to me, then we'll start that process. We'll show you how to start that process. Brother, come sing for us.